to get us started and people might trickle in, but Helen, thank you for being here. Um, and so please join me in prayer. God, thank you that we can always dive deeper. We will never know um, everything there is to know about you. God, that keeps us humble, that keeps us hungry to learn um, and to thirst, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Thank you for Helen. Thank you for her friendship in my life. Um, and would you just speak to us through what it means to be friends, uh, what it means to be friends in the kingdom of God, what it means to receive friendship and be friends with you. So thank you for Helen and bless her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, and I'm really excited to talk about friendship. And I just hope that this is more of a conversation, right, than you know, me, it's not a lecture at all, so please, yeah, yeah, so be relieved of that. <laughs> and uh, you should have your outline, so I'm an outline person, so, um, uh, but please feel free to, um, you know, encourage each other, and then feel free to interject, and then ask questions, and make comments, and then share your life of friendship as well, so that's, my hope that we get to actually hear from each other uh, about friendship and how enriching and joyous that is for everyone. So um, I sort of, uh, you know, the first Roman, Roman numeral one, as I just listed some lessons from the scripture uh, and church history, and then I provided the quotes uh, from many from the church history. So hopefully it is... Uh, you know, uh, both the scripture and then how people have reflected on friendship throughout history of the church. So a unique necessity and joy of friendship. So I, I mean, all of you who are here, I don't necessarily have to talk about how important friendship is, right? How joyous friendship is. I'm kind of preaching to the choir, right? Um, but, you know, uh, as you sort of know, the epidemic of loneliness has been here for a while, right? Uh, I, we had, at Westmont, we had a speaker speaking at a, for a lecture on Wednesday of this past week, and he's Todd Hall, a psychologist from Biola University, and he was sharing the first, uh, he talked about relational spirituality, and he first talked about the crisis of connection. Right. According to him, the crisis has of connection has been in existing already since the 80s. Mm -hmm. So he shared in 1985, according to a stat, uh, a psychological statistics, you know, average person in the United States who can actually, how many actually confidants can you have or friends do you have mm -hmm. in your life? The average was three people. That's 1985. By 2004, how many actually Americans can say how many friends they have? Zero. Not at 2004. And of course, we know that the um, the you know COVID pandemic just worsened right the situation. So. Um, I have actually hear the different numbers about, you know, 2021 and, I mean, still remains, you know, according to many statistics, the number is still zero. Mm -hmm. Now, to the point that you might have heard of this news that, you know, UK decided to appoint a minister of loneliness. Have you heard of this? <laughs> UK literally is a government ministry of loneliness in 2021. Because according to actually the statistics, in the UK, it's not an American statistic, there are over 200,000 people in the UK who actually have not talked to a real person, whether it's a friend or a relative, for a month. More than 200,000 people. So that is a very concerning statistic. So UK, as a sort of a government ministry, wants to quote, tackle that or talk about it out in the open, 
history. Um, Japan also has a Ministry of Loneliness. Mm. So uh, uh, around the same year during the pandemic, also initiated that sort of project. Um, so it's really interesting. So we are in the relational sort of a crisis. Um, so that's a sort of a given, and it's been a while, and the COVID just worsened it. Now, according to C.S. Lewis, if you go to B, um, friendship, among other relationships, is the least natural of loves. <laughs> now, uh, what's that mean? So, by the way, I just wanted to show you some maybe books that I brought. Um, these are the uh, books that I actually, that inspired me to prepare for this. First of all, Spiritual Friendship and Albrad Revolve. He's a 12th century monk. Right? I have some quotes actually from him. So you might want to go and enjoy exploring this book. And another sort of Spiritual Friendship by Wesley Hill. He's a New Testament scholar at Western Seminary. He is actually um, uh, Celibate gay, a Christian theologian and New Testament scholar. So he wrote about spiritual friendship. And of course, C.S. Lewis is the four loves, where he talks about love of affection, some of familiar love, and eras, right? The romantic love, friendship love, right? And then agape, right? God's love. So, and then the, you know, we gotta talk about women friendship too, right? The friendship of women by Sister Joan Chester. I don't know whether you have heard of this. This is actually a wonderful book, as well as a hidden tradition from of the Bible. Now, so in this book, The Four Loves, um, he talks about friendship love. And he compares, actually, friendship love to our friend, uh, or um, affection, which is a familiar love, and eros, which is a romantic love. Now, Take a look at the quote number one on your outline. So the next page, okay. page two, quote number one. This is how he compares friendship from uh, affection and romance. Could uh, someone actually read that for us? Yes, thank you, Mary. Friendship is, in a sense, not at all derogatory to it the least natural of love, the least instinctual, organic, biological, gregarious, and necessary. It is essentially between individuals. The moment two persons are friends, they have in some degree drawn apart together from the herd. Without, without Eros... None, oh, sorry, none of us, sorry. Uh, it should be man drawn apart together yeah. from the herd. Mm -hmm. Without eros, oh, none of us would have been begotten, and without affection, none of us would have been reared. But we can't live and breed, breed without friendship. Hmm. Let me give you context on this. So, so the last word, sort of, the, but we live and breed without friendship is not C.S. Lewis's argument. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of setting a context. So. That's, you know, the context in a sense why people have not taken friendship seriously. Because it's the most free or most voluntary in a sense, right? So, um, you know, once you're actually, you're, you cannot choose where the kind of family you're from, right? And once you're married, you cannot just, you know, leave your you know, husband or wife and so on. So you are in a covenant relationship Whereas the friendship is the most voluntary. It involves your choice from start to finish. Yes? Well, would that be true in the Eastern sociocentric world also? What's the, I mean, if Lewis was right. Oh, it's a, he, right. He's writing actually in the context of 1950s in England, but more Western society. I would say in Eastern societies where I'm from, East Asia, Familiar world, I mean, the, you know, kinship is the most important, sort of, at least traditionally, the most important relationship. You are bound, the familiar type is all about kind of kinship, right? 
how you actually treat your parents and siblings, right? That's the most sort of an important foundational relationship. Well, however, it's very interesting, however, in Jesus' time, kinship is also the most important and strongest sort of a relationship. Um, and yet Jesus actually redefines kinship. Whoever actually does God's will, my will and my father's will is my brother and sister. Mother too. Mother as well. Yeah. Which is actually, uh, and then there's only one father who is in heaven, right? Every everyone else sort of is a sibling relationship. So he draws upon uh, this notion, you know, kinship is based on blood, but based on Jesus's blood, everyone can become a sibling. So which is actually very radical thing to say in that kind of culture. But Jesus not only actually talks about sibling relationship, but and we define the kinship in that way, we, we will see that Jesus obviously also talked about relationship of a friendship, right? Friends love. And he redefined what friends are or who friends are. And to the extent the love of friends actually would be actually or are supposed to show. So we will talk about that very soon too. So I just want to share with you, wanted to share with this quote with C.S. Lewis uh, from the Four Loves, so that right friendship is the least bi biological, least instinctive, right? Because it involves all of our choices and voluntary choices. In that sense. Even though it may be true in some instance, some instances that we can live with without friendship, according to Augustine, friendship is absolutely essential in life. So take a look at quote number two on your outline. Could someone else actually read this for us? This is from Saint Augustine. Thank you. In this world, two things are essential life and friendship. Both should be highly prized and we must not undervalue them. Life and friendship are nature's gifts. God created us that we might exist and live. This is life. But if we are not to remain if we are not to remain solitary, there must be friendship. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So the most important sort of two essentials in life, life of course, right, in order to exist, but friendship enriches that life. There's no solitary life that is enriching. I mean, even for the monks, right? As a matter of fact, you know, Albert actually was writing spiritual friendship among the monks, right? So even the monks, you know, you might have heard this actually, Thomas Merton, the very uh, you know thoughtful you know the uh, Catholic sort of priest and mystic said, "No man is an island, right? Indeed, no person is island because we are made for friendship. The God actually created us, created us for relationship, just like God exists in relationships and friendship of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." So the next point is that we are indeed made for friendship. And I want you to actually read this uh, uh, you know, quote from Sirach. Sirach is an Old Testament apocrypha. So apocrypha means, you know, Sirach is not part of our Protestant canon, part of the Old Testament Protestant canon. But in Catholic sort of canon, Sirach, which means Wisdom of Dan Sirach is part of the Catholic canon, sort of a secondary canon in Catholic Church. Yeah. I was going to say that's a big deal sometimes that comes up. I have Catholic friends. In the Catechism, it says all those books are deuterocanonical. Yeah, deuterocanonical, which means a secondary sort of So, uh, but, you know, uh, those are also very instructive for all of us to really explore and to appreciate. So according to Sirach, six, uh, chapter 6, verse 16, friendship, faithful friends are life-giving medicine, life-saving medicine. 
And those who fear the Lord will find them. Isn't that great metaphor? Friends, that's a life-giving, life-saving medicine. Now, I think some of us actually can testify to that indeed. You know, there are many ways that God manifests God's love to us through friends, right? In that way, you know, God shows friendship is a life-giving, you know, through faithful friends. And I love, actually, the how Elred actually reflects on this verse. So that's the quote number three of your album. Praise 
of friendship. And I, my hope is and my prayer is that we can enjoy this kind of relationship here on earth, even within our church. Now, Do you have any comments about the unique necessity and joy of friendship here thus far, even from the quotes? Any thoughts or comments or questions thus far? Yes, An interesting question about the needing of friends. We like to have friends, you know, and a great quote from Emerson, I think, is that if you really want to have a friend, you want to be a friend. First of all, be a friend. Yes. And so we don't want needy friends, mm-hmm. so we don't want to be needy <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, we want to have friendship that's not too needy, mm-hmm. which is intriguing. Mm-hmm. And yet we know we need friends. Yeah, yeah, that is very intriguing, yeah. And that shows, again, the dynamic between how we, uh, you know, we don't want to be a needy friend, but we don't actually think about how needy we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, and 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 it's uh, and our expectation of friendship is kind of very self-centered. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Oh, I was just struck uh, by the fact that friendship is the least natural of loves, mm-hmm. like you're talking about from C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. and that makes sense when you said people. You know, the statistics are that people don't have friends. Yeah. And probably because it is the least natural. It takes discipline. It, exactly. It takes vulnerability. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Right. Indeed. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes, Beth, that could be. Well, I'm going to respond to what you said, though, about that that's not the correct way to the argument. No, yeah. That's yeah, just yeah. kind of getting these first objections out of the way, and then he goes and talks about how valuable it actually is. And I think a lot of people think because they can get through life without it that they don't need to try. And all these arguments that people have about how it's so hard, it's vulnerable, it's a commitment. The same thing can apply to any other relationship, family, marriage, whatever. That people avoid an extra commitment, I guess. And especially in a society where people don't even like to honor family and marriage commitments, friends tend to be the first thing to go. Yeah, uh, I, I, Phoebe, thank you for that. I think actually Pastor Nikki is as completely agrees with you, right? Mm-hmm. right. She's uh, pointing out yeah. the reality. Right. I just want to make sure that we're getting that represented. Thank you, Phoebe. I appreciate it. So I think Susan is next. There. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've already touched on this, but one of the things that's so mystifying to me is that it seems like in friendship you have to have a kinship or an equality. And if you have, if you try to be a friend with a person that's completely different than you or completely different mm-hmm. in background or uh, whatever, that sometimes it doesn't work because there's not an equality mm-hmm. or a sharing that's, Or you commonality. Know, Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Yeah, but uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you go to another country and and you know and you want to make friends, you know, with a mm-hmm. person in another nationality and get to know them, mm-hmm. their culture and stuff, mm-hmm. and then you realize that they just really want you to get them to come to the United States, or you know, they they're looking for what they can get out of you, mm-hmm. and or or it might be the other direction that you're trying to do too much help mm-hmm. and you know it, it makes it seem like you're all you have everything and they don't or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. so it doesn't work mm-hmm. yeah so um, uh, so C.S. Lewis actually talks about in order for the friendship to work you have to actually have some kind of common interest something yeah. common with each other so friends the marriage relationship he describes as a looking face, at, you know, looking at each other's face mm. this way, facing each other. Whereas actually, he talks about friendship love as staying side by side, mm-hmm. standing side by side, mm-hmm. right? looking at something common, sort of a common vision, common goal, common interest. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's what talks about. Yeah, Sarah, and then, yeah. I, it's funny I was, when I, I was struck by Lewis's um, comments about it. 
friendship being those uh, organic, instinctive. But then it's funny because I think that sometimes friends become more treasured because we've chosen them. Exactly, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think that's also why it is hardest, I think, especially when you're talking about the commonality. Mm -hmm. Like, I think no matter who you're friends with, they're the beauty of it is that there's both commonality and difference. Mm -hmm. And I think the like friends that are like most treasured to me are people that have completely different personalities mm -hmm. than me and like perceptions of the world and yet like we share a common goal or vision mm -hmm. or like love. Mm -hmm. But I think that yeah, like one of the challenges that we've been talking about is yeah, like let's say someone moves away, how do you continue to yeah. have a common goal, a common vision or love? across distance or across different contexts. And so I think that is, like, no wonder we're, we as a culture and time have such a hard, mm -hmm. such a challenge with that. Yeah, yeah. Even despite uh, social media. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Facebook, uh, I, don't, I don't do much of sort of Facebook or Twitter. I don't do Twitter or, you know, what's the other thing? Instagram. Instagram, Instagram right. Yes. Yeah, so sorry that I don't do any of these sort of regularly. But... Uh, so, and a lot of stuff, you know, again, scholars say when they talk about friendship and how the, the seeming sort of substitution of friendship with social media, right? So we are sort of in the illusion as though the friends, you know, friends in the social media are our indeed friends. But do we, are these, these person, people in the social media, are they the ones we actually call and talk? with each other, or when you are in need, or things like that, right? So that's another sort of effect, or just reality we have to deal with. Right? Yes. That may be one of the best uh, measurements. Who do you reach out to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you're in trouble, or or when you have a feeling of care about somebody, you know, you get these little messages through the air. It's uh, love communicates more than intellect. It's a great message my mom got. Mm -hmm. You just know sometimes you need to call this person. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And so, oh, social media is such a public platform that that there's the, the opportunity for genuine intimacy mm. is is weak, I think. Right. Yeah. Immense. Yeah. Well, genuine and intimacy. Yeah. Is genuine right. intimacy. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like those. I like those words. Yes. I, I was thinking some David about what you were saying about. Um, not being friends with needy people or needy friends or something, and yet I, I don't think, to me, <coughs> true friendship requires vulnerability that mm -hmm. shows need. And if, if yeah. two parties and yeah. one one never never goes to that, never yeah. expresses that, right. there's only so far the friendship can go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I didn't mention that, but you know, we all have needy friends, and we love them. <laughs> well, we all are. We all are. We all are. Yes, we all are. Yes, we all are. Yes, we all are. Yes, we all are. So, we, with vulnerability, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. It's such an important part of actually friend relationship. Right? So, uh, what next? Uh, I have provided just what I think about some building blocks and or true marks of Christian friendship. So, uh, hopefully, again, we. You are free to you know, talk about this, comment on this, question sort of this, and I would love to actually ask you at the end, what are some of the things that you would love to add to this list, right? Yeah, so first, um, when we talk about Christian friendship, I think we need to have something of a common ground and common basis, a common foundation, right? So um, what I think of as a common foundation for our friendship in Christ is uh, first uh, John, John, Gospel of John 15, 12 through 17. Could someone actually read this uh, passage for us? Uh, yeah, I will. Thank you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Thank you. Yeah. So, of course, Jesus talked about love. Jesus is the love, right? Uh, and uh, love is the most important foundation in, uh, in friendship. But Jesus is love. I just, you know what, really, the verse that really gets me is that verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I mean, we're talking about choices, right? The voluntary relationships and friendship. Jesus has already chosen all of us for here. Um, when we actually didn't choose Jesus himself. And what's interesting is that if you look at verse 13, uh, verse 14, right? You are my friends if you do what I command you. It's conditional. Yeah? So then Jesus' commandment is you love one another. Now, but it's interesting, take a look at actually the next verse, verse 15. 14, he says, if you do what I command you, you are my friends. But in verse 15, latter part, but I have called you friends. Already he called us friends. Already he chose us, right? Because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. Jesus has already actually decided to be our friend mm -hmm. because Jesus actually, the, it's, Jesus has already done, right, the work that makes friendship possible between him and us, right? And so um, it's, it's unconditional in that way, right, uh, because of Jesus' action already done on our behalf. So, uh, in ancient world, right, the, one of the expectations of friendship is that frank speech, handbook. Uh, 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 we will talk about this soon. But Jesus has already given us everything in his friends, that is the knowledge of God, right, and his own life. So, Jesus is the model of our friendship, right? because he loved without limit. And Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to live a life of friendship, right? Because we have been transformed. Those who have, those of us who actually confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have been transformed by everything he has already shared with us. So, through friendship, now we come to know God, and through friendship, we enact the love of God. We can, so this is the part. What's really great about this is that now we can risk being friends, because Jesus has already been our friend. We have the security. Yes? So while we're reading this, I think we have to think about two things. Mm -hmm. I know that friends have come in and out of my life at certain seasons, right. and they go in and out at certain seasons. Mm -hmm. And for a while I took that personally, but now I really think it's the hand of God moving mm -hmm. in, in friendships for both of them, but you know, mm -hmm. each person. Mm -hmm. when they're in a time when that friendship would be the most needed for these different stages of life. Mm -hmm. And then I also can't help but think that there are people that God connects in our lives Divine appointment, oh, yeah. Jesus manifests 
in how we love each other. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, Brad, did you? Oh, I was sort of thinking through my thoughts. I don't know if it's going to make sense, but what you said, the friendship rate is two-sided. So I don't know how this applies to Jesus, but human friendship, it's supposed to be reciprocal. It goes both ways. But you can still love someone if they stop being your friend. You may want to be a friend to them that they may decide that you don't want. They don't want to be a friend to you. So it, it's unconditional and conditional, like you said. Because I've been in a lot of situations where I would love to be somebody's friend, and they they decide they don't have time, they don't want to forgive. And we've all been guilty about it on the flip side. And we tend to say, oh, well, it's done. I can make new friends. And you know that can often be an excuse to stop putting in that word. And, and, but that doesn't mean the other person can't still love you back. So that's kind of what that, what that you're saying. Uh, Yeah, so this comes 
comes back to my original question and, and your answer of it being unconditional and that Jesus has called us friends. But then to what Phoebe was speaking of before and David is that um, there's friendship um, has, has two-sided accountability, mutuality, um, and if we are going to be a friend to Jesus, then we're going to love one another. And yeah, so we're elevated from being the more mm -hmm. passive role of a servant mm -hmm. to be to having the more responsible role mm -hmm. of a friend that mm -hmm. we that we're now uh, stepped up to take the responsibility. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. So uh, that's actually great. Now Wesley, when he was thinking in, as he reflected his own sort of spiritual journey. Um, there was a point that he said, I moved, sort of, a, I had a, in the before, I had faith of a servant mm -hmm. in relation to God and Christ. Mm -hmm. Now I have a faith of a son or faith of a friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there is, there should be, there's a growth there, right? Even in our relationship with God, right? So there is a sort of prospect or expected sort of growth. As we bear fruit and then, you know, love one another. And, and I, I think, too, thinking kind of the parallel within human friendship, too, is is that it changes and evolves. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and to Sue's point, I mean, sometimes then it it seems like maybe it's no longer a friendship, but, you know, maybe there's something still there, but it's mm -hmm. people have changed and evolved so, in so different right, ways. Right. And, yeah. yes. I do want to respond to that. So the person I was speaking of, was a friend to me when my kids were in preschool. Now that was eons ago. Mm -hmm. And she that actually took me to my first BSF mm -hmm. when Alyssa was three. So there goes the history. She had two boys, I had two daughters, same age. Mm -hmm. Well, there came a season in life after preschool that the boys were boys and my girls were girls. Mm -hmm. And so the friendship kind of came drifted mm -hmm. away. We were still always, we loved each other, but we didn't talk. There was no conversion, there was no friend building until the Everybody was gone and gone. And mm -hmm. then our friendship came back as just again, she and me and our, our spouses. Mm -hmm. Since then, she's passed. But for a season, I mourned it because I didn't understand for a while that it was because she had girls and I had boys. And so that's the ebb and flow that we're talking about. The mm -hmm. mom was still there. Mm -hmm. She now has passed, and now mm -hmm. we have her husband over for dinner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm talking about. Like yeah, the, flow of the ebb and flow of friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or even a certain sort of rhythm to the friendship. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. Yeah. Um, so the next you have that is a constancy, constancy in the sense of more availability. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily every single time, right? So the proverbs actually. By the way, proverbs is a great book for. Friendship, or actually wise living, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's what the Proverbs actually means, right? It's the wisdom for living. Uh, so he says, a friend loves at all times. The kinsfolk, basically, literally uh, here, brother, uh, is born to share adversity. Now, uh, interesting, uh, Pastor uh, Tim Keller, uh, you know, he's a very famous reform pastor. He interprets actually at all times here, at all kinds of times. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily literally sort of all times, but all kinds of uh, situations. Mm -hmm. So friends are the ones who are available, mm -hmm. who make themselves available to you or to us. Right? Uh, even if you know it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, every single time we see that. So uh, a, uh, friends, uh, a friend loves at all times, you know, in also in Hebrew, it also bears the intentionality. Mm -hmm. Intentionality behind making ourselves available. Yes, I don't see it in here, but there's that quote where it says, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Yeah, it, it comes, it will come. Sorry. Yeah, yeah it, will, uh, <coughs> it, will, it will be, yeah, there. Now, and then uh, vulnerability. Now, this is the part that Nancy brought this up, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
vulnerability, now I was seeking sort of uh, scriptures, and then what came to my mind is uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, that's what you have, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. Could someone actually read this passage for us? We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also. Mm, thank you. So context here, Paul is talking about his relationship with the Corinthians, right? And again, as I mentioned, in the ancient world, Frank speech is one of the great characteristics of a good, faithful friendship. So Paul says, we, um, you know, Paul and Silas and, and Timothy, have already spoken frankly to you, Corinthians, but and our heart is wide open to you. He made himself vulnerable to Corinthians. But there is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. There's no reciprocity, right, on from Corinthians' part, how they are still close in their heart, not made themselves vulnerable in sharing sort of open hearts to Paul and Timothy. So that's why in turn I speak as to children, please open wide your hearts also. Uh, so vulnerability is indeed, I think, one of the most uh, important sort of uh, part of sort of friendship. According to the psychologist, I forget, I watched so many TED Talks. I think one of the psychologists said, uh, she said, from her perspective, he's not a Christian, but, but there's a three sort of a, a, a size of the friendship. The bottom line ground is positivity. She said positivity. But what really makes that friendship sort of uh, happen so one sort of aside here is constancy. We have already mentioned that, constancy. The other side is a vulnerability. Mm. Mm. So you, there's a ground, but I, I think our ground is a Christ love mm -hmm. uh, in, in Christ. But the way we can actually grow our friendship is constancy and vulnerability. Mm. This way. That's how we grow friendship. Mm. Um, um, so now, I want you to take a look at quote number To love it all is to be vulnerable. 
love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. Mm -hmm. If you want to make sure of keeping in intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an mm -hmm. animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your <laughs> selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, in, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and per perturbations of love is hell. Wow. <laughs> wow. The beat down. That's a strong word, right? Indeed. Uh, so, uh, any comments or reflections on this? Simon and Garfunkel got it right. Simon and This is an interesting question about vulnerability. Yeah. Some people get burned in church and they, mm -hmm. they feel vulnerable. They just say, that's it for religion. They walk away from the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in friendship, I don't know the answer to that. Everybody has to find their willingness to suffer. I mean, Jesus was willing to suffer a lot. Yeah, and so, and also, you know, as Nancy, uh, you know, uh, commented earlier, um, you know, to get to a certain sort of a depth of a friendship, you definitely need vulnerability. And some people choose to just remain in a very superficial way of relating to people so that they don't want to be vulnerable or you know, so that they don't want to miss it. I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm not blaming them, but there are the choices that some people, uh, including sometimes myself, make, right, in terms of how deep the relationship, the friendship actually should be with particular individuals. So, yeah. uh, but without vulnerability, again, your friendship cannot grow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Alex. There's probably, I'm just saying this off the top of my head, but some, some sense of um, like safety or or something or, or wisdom almost that you would we maybe naturally have with certain people or types of people or do we be a friend and vulnerable to every yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that it takes time Exactly. A few minutes ago, uh, Cheryl Wayne was a bit here. Maybe picked up on the board boundaries vibes. <laughs> boundaries. We, we want them. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need them. Yeah. yeah, we need them. We need them. Yeah, we need boundaries. Indeed. Right. So <coughs> it actually, this is actually part that we need discretion. Yeah. Yeah. Discretion about yeah. Uh, you know how to set our boundaries, right? And yet, at the same time. How to really become friends? Mm -hmm. I mean, so Hannah and Brett. I think that almost makes it so clear how it's almost like a miracle of God that like deep and beautiful friendship comes about, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That one is talking about like, how hard it is to open up your heart to be vulnerable mm -hmm. to the impact of others, but I think also that triangle you were talking about, the constancy of vulnerability mm -hmm. and like Jesus' love, mm -hmm. to have all those three come at the same time, mm -hmm. like it's feels almost nearly impossible sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm even thinking about like the possibility of vulnerability, the amount of people who like might be vulnerable with you, but you have to be vulnerable back. Mm -hmm. And there has to be consistency mm -hmm. and friendship. Like I think, yeah, there's that boundaries of like Whoa, that was a little too vulnerable. Uh, that actually crossed a boundary for me. Or, oh, that was a little not constant enough for me. I I need that. And so I think, I don't know, I think I'm just very, I'm being struck by the, the, the back and forth of vulnerability mm -hmm. and the fact that, honestly, like, it is only God mm -hmm. who, right, like, places those friendships mm -hmm. in our life that makes those possible mm -hmm. because we can't construct that triangle by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Great point. Yes, Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say the constancy leg of that triangle is probably a lot longer than the vulnerability leg of mm -hmm. that triangle. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, at least. 
And in the beginning, it's Right, it maybe it's, it, it, it will be more like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the triangle, the book of the basis is kind of the boundaries we have the love of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's the scripture and all the words and commands he gives us. That's our basis for it. Right. Any other thoughts on that? I'm looking, maybe just the, uh, maybe this is a good time to read quotes from six to seven. So any volunteer to read quotes number six? Yes, Christians think differently about friendship because their understanding of friendship is rooted. 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 The story writes mm -hmm. us out of the story of the mind. Thank you. Yeah, this relates to what just Hannah talked about, right? Uh, again, unless we are rooted, the ground, the foundation is there. It's uh, we. I mean, we always just feel very insecure. Yeah. yeah. About not really having the courage to actually be vulnerable and reach out uh, and so on, um, and risk being a friend and having friends. Mm -hmm. And quote number seven is from Augustine. Thank you. In Christ, friendship achieves a certain permanence. Friendship is faithful in Christ, in whom alone it can become eternal, attaining happiness. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Like happiness is a you know, because think of joy as more. Mm. Oh, oh, I see. So uh, in Augustine, uh, happiness and happiness is more like joy. Mm. Yeah. So he's not talking about happiness that is very circumstantial. Mm. Yeah. Um, but this abiding happiness. Number eight, another one from Augustine. Any other volunteers? Yes. You only love your friend truly, after all, when you love God in your friend, mm -hmm. either because he is in him, or in order that he may be in him. That is true love and respect. Mm -hmm. There is no true friendship unless you weld it between souls that cling together by the charity poured forth in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we uh, yeah, are loving our friends, we are indeed loving, seeing God in that person. And either we want that God, I mean, either we may it be so, or God is already there in that friend. Mm -hmm. So it's a good reminder that indeed each person really bears our friends, really bear image of God. Mm -hmm. So what is our role to really help and accompany, right, mm -hmm. uh, in the, our friends' image bearing, and how? That person, our friends, can help us or uh, exhort us and encourage us in our, my image bearing of God through our friendship. So, uh, yes. I have a friend that I meet downtown. She's a street person. Mm -hmm. And we've met before, so she knew my name. Mm -hmm. And I really hadn't paid that much attention to her, but when she sees me, she yells. Leela, I love you. Oh. <laughs> so I've gotten, so I say this back. Dee, I love you too. Mm -hmm. I did try to share Christ with her. No, 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 no. 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 That's not for me. No, Leela. No. So I said, okay, Dee. I still love you, and I will pray for you. So she said, thank you. I do need prayer. But every time she sees me, it's, I love you. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and, and I do, I really care for her. Yeah. You know. And that's because uh -huh. of God that you're, you know, that's, she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's why yeah, she loves you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Any sort of a last thought or comment? What I want to say is that we don't have to be real bonded with another mm -hmm. person to yeah. care for them. Yeah, good point. You know, yeah. we can yeah. care for them either which way. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, especially unbelievers. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Maybe uh, Nikki and then yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say I think I love the evangeli evangelization piece of friendship, right? Like contextually, if our society has an epidemic of loneliness mm -hmm. and friendship is rooted in our friendship with God, that mm -hmm. God extends towards us, mm -hmm. like what a prime role that the church can play as mm -hmm. as bearers of God's friendship. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and just how our society, you know, think of the movies or TV shows and oftentimes friendship isn't the thing that they focus on. Exactly. And, um, and so how can we kind of offer an alternative as the church, as a community of brothers and sisters, as gathered friends. Yes, um, so, yeah, yeah, point, yeah. Uh, so a uh, Hollywood script has its own script, but usually it's about romantic love, or some form of love. Friendship is not, it's very rare to actually see that portrayed in the movie. But how, as a church, can provide an alternative script, right, to the story of friendship, that's great. And so we have, uh, is, is that okay if we just leave a few, couple more minutes to hear each other? So David and uh, Allison and Well, I, we were talking about friendships, we're thinking of relationships, because often you are, you find the relationships very unequal. And uh, mm -hmm. the friendship is coming first from one person. Jesus says, I'm first your friend, I befriended you. Mm -hmm. So we can do that. I've been reading about the Civil War, and Lincoln had to do this. He said, you know, with these border states and all this stuff. He didn't want to lose the friendship. He said, my ultimate uh, way of conquering my enemy is to make him my friend. Mm -hmm.
have a theological light. So, sorry, I've done a lot of reading about this and I have a lot of rants, so I'll stop now. But you're correct that that's how it should be from a Christian perspective, but it has not been. Uh, like in many areas that we uh, have either failed or continue to wrestle with, so friendship is another area yeah, that we hope to continue to grow. Uh, no, so, sorry so uh, for the time, but thank you very much for this very fruitful sort of a conversation discussion. Mm-hmm. I hope that was interesting. So next week when you come back, I, I have a couple more things to but We will continue this discussion because we uh, want to continue to talk about some true models of friendship and then also what are some stumbling blocks mm-hmm. to friendship. So thank you very much. Gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to really think about uh, friendship in you. I pray that every single one of us who is here, that you would bless them relationally, you would uh, help them bear uh, fruitful uh, friendship in their lives, and I pray that, Lord, that as you are the basis of our friendship, so thank you and be glorified in and uh, from our friendship. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.